Yo, this is the legendary cocaine, and you're checking out the library with Tim Ininko on www.rapstation.com. From the cribs to the Coliseum bobble. Oh, it's so, so funny. This kid named Money was oh so broke. He began taking dope. Yeah, the cream of the crop. When you create a list of the most well-rounded artists in the game today, the name Cocaine has to either be at the top of it or near the top of it. He's a producer, MC, CEO of his own label, and his music influences are his father, Motown legend Jerry B. Long Sr., Rick James, George Clinton, Rakim, Chuck D., and Bob Marley. And you could hear all of them and their respective genres on each of his albums. His latest album is called King of G-Funk. He's a legendary Cocaine, and I want to welcome him to the library again on rapstation.com welcome back man hey thanks for having me again i appreciate that big ups to you the library chuck d man it's a blessing so first off i was watching uh, i was watching uh, the cocaine presents king of g-funk documentary and mm-hmm. and you talk about the music you listened to growing up and you mentioned how funk and the parliament records had a huge impression on you and then i realized i've never asked you this uh so why did you go into hip-hop why didn't you go like right into into funk well it was a big pot of gumbo we got to realize you know hip-hop been here for really like over 40 some years right and uh being exposed to all that all that good music soul music and you know hip-hop when it was first coming around um, it just it just had an impact on me because it evolved, you know, from the soul music. You gotta realize Muhammad Ali was rhyming. Right. Uh Blowfly was rhyming. You know what I'm saying? So it was inevitable for hip hop to be a spin off of soul music and funk music. Being exposed to that, it was just very impactful and it was a blessing to be able to uh listen to all those genres of music, man, like a big pot of gumbo, you know, Grandmaster Flash, Cool Herc, you know, and then, then going and listen to Bootsy and George. I mean, that, in my humble opinion, the 70s was, was really like a beautiful decade to, to be able to be seasoned by good music. I guess, what do you think of overall about this? I mean, talk about music and the state of it. What, I mean, just before we get into the album, what do you think about the overall state of Music, you know, there's always the the good times, the bad times. But do you, do you think we're kind of out of that? The, the I guess the quote unquote bad times of music. Well, now it's really starting to go back to substance, right? You know what I mean? That's what made hip hop. Hip hop was made on battling, of course. You know, don't take the battling out of it, but don't go to the extremes of gun violence. That's right. where we messed up. So now it's coming back to to substance because the people has to have a revolt. You know, when it when it comes to, to corporate greed and different things, they don't care how these young kids perpetuate uh, negativity and not even have some type of balance. But when we were growing up in the uh, and from the 70s to the early, you know, some of the 2000s, it was always articulated substance. It was the reason why NWA said after police, but you can look years later. And nothing changed. In fact, it got worse. The country is more divided now. So good music lasts forever. And it's like when you quantum leap back into those times, I think that music with substance is really starting to be 
back on the forefront again. And it's a perfect time because it goes back to timing. You know what I'm saying? There are things that are going on in the world that, you know, back in those 90s and 80s and era where the music matched the sign of the time. Right. Now, when you look back five years ago from 2016, you know, it was just 20, it was just a bunch of perpetuate ignorance. Mm. And this at the same time, there's a music business. So I don't knock anybody for their hustle. If that's the way you get down, whether you talk about a pimp record, whether you talk about a gangster record, that's not what I'm saying. But mm. back when we were growing up, you know, you can hear sexual healing records from Marvin Gaye and then turn around and hear some music with substance, like what's going on. Right, right. Well, now, now it's slowly starting to, to, to rebound and get back to the point to where music has substance in it and real good music. You just can't pick up an auto-tune. Instrumentation is, is coming back on the forefront. So I'm happy to, 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 to be able to be in a position, you know, coming from the West Side and being that, uh, you know, I've been blessed enough to be around this long and have my influence on all kind of records to go back to the timing part, music with substance is coming back. So I think the state of hip hop is at a good place right now for people that really want to go ahead and initiate what's going on in the streets, what's going on in the hoods, what's going on in our country, what's going on in our world. So, oh man, I got two thumbs up for that and all hope and prayer is that we continue to put out this good music with substance and to have a, a lasting effect demographically on the whole world again, because it's time. I think, and, uh, and, and your new album, King of G-Funk, I think what you just talked about, you do, you do perfectly in, 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 in the track Hala, but then you also do it. And then, you, then you, it's one of those tracks where, so Hala, you take on um, social issues, and then the Hello, the other track, is a, for me was a reintroduction of yourself to, to your audience as an artist and as a person. Um, so right. first, can you talk about creating these two tracks? And then also, how do you, as an artist, like, how do you decide when are you going to attack social issues in your music and, or versus, you know, tell a story about, you know, a guy who gets snitched on or talk about yourself? How do you decide that? Right. Well, my music is, is, is basically my testimony. And, you know, I've been been married, like I said, I always celebrated wife for 30 years, and I got eight kids by the same woman. In this music business, you have to have some type of God structure or family-orientated structure, because there's so much of illusion, and there's hidden hands, and there's different other things that, that want to swindle you in and take away your God-given talent to revert your attention to just total negativity. And it's like, now, when you hear the song on my album, Hello World, it's reintroduction, that funk sound, that soul sound again. Because if we, when you think about it, soul music is a reflection of the sign of the times. Young kids in the ghetto not having it, dreaming big but not having no outlets. Mm. And when I did Hello World, it's telling the whole world that here's a guy that that dares to go against the what's what's popular right now. You know, because everybody is like everybody's a D boy. Yeah. Everybody's popping pills. Everybody's doing this. And I'm telling them through my music, Hello World, 
we reintroducing the music that helped kids grow up when it was struggle. And it's just letting everybody know the, the, the embodiment of that particular sound came from the source that's a living legend right now. So it's, it's, it's after, after doing so many features, you know, it's time from, to, for me to move from that underrated stage to the popular forefront. And it goes back to timing again. Mm. You know, and when you hear songs like Holla, which was produced by Mary Wells' son, Meech, he's a Motown baby, who did a lot of platinum hits for Snoop. You know, we wanted to reflect on the social ills, what's going on in today's society. And one of the ways that we can inspire and influence people is giving them out those good music and messages and dare to be different and dare not think just because I'm talking about something positive, uh, uh, it's not going to get on the radio. I didn't never make those particular songs to say, well, somebody who likes trap might don't like it in Atlanta. I made this music for the people. And that's where King of G-Funk is expressive. It's more of a people's chap album as opposed to traditionally following, oh, you got to check the sound scan. You got to check for this people did all night. No, I, I went back to my independence and praise God for the independence that I can finally make songs for the people to help them through their time. And it's going back to this. I'd rather, I'd rather follow my campaign like like uh, Bernie Sanders and get it from the people as opposed to getting it to the super pack. <laughs> One thing I really like about the album, I mean, I like, a lot, I like a lot of things about the album, but one thing I really like, I like the song, um, They're Trying to Kill Us, and I, and I also like the video that accompanies it. I mean, it, you know, it shows the hardships and social injustices in America. And then at the beginning of the video, you have the uh, Seattle chairman of the New Black Panther Party uh, talking, and there's calling for black empowerment. Uh, how do you, as an artist, how do you, how do you, how, how do you t- talk to fans about black empowerment without worrying i mean it maybe don't even have to worry about it, but worrying about isolating let's say your white fans well music is 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 there to push the image and going back to curtis mayfield going back to chuck d even before then going back to james brown you know something about music transcends all color lines and if if you're real and you lead by example and, and it's funky Man, you too can be jet black having a bunch of pale white people saying I'm black and proud. Because music transcends all color lines. And it allows people to get together and and have some type of reparation through music. So what I wanted to do with that particular record, I wanted to go back to Curtis Mayfield. It's sad that we don't have the modern-day Curtis Mayfields nowadays. Those music was impressionable on the world. So when I when you notice the hook that's on there, I say crooked niggas, crooked Jews, crackers got your mind confused. Now if you were looking it on the surface, you would say, well that's very kind of racist. But when you look in deep to it, I didn't leave nobody's name out. I said crooked niggas, crooked Jews, crackers got your mind confused. 
that means this. There are crooked niggas out there. There's crooked Jews out there. There's crooked white folks out there. So it eliminates it, it eliminates the fact that I'm just shelling out one particular race or nothing because the song wasn't meant to talk about racism or meant for racism. It was meant to spark a thought. Like, we all got to come together. This is the same type of thinking. It's, this, it's when my Jewish brothers, our Jewish brothers, was right there on the front line with Martin Luther King as the freedom fighters. Because them, they were saying to themselves back then, it's crooked niggas and crooked Jews, and they might not said it in, out there, but that's the type of, of movement they have. So what I, I did is go back to those elements of Curtis Mayfield, last poet, you know what I'm saying? And really put it out on the line because, you know, words, words are powerful. And the context that I put it, it separates the positive Jews from the positive black people, uh, 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 from the positive uh, Caucasian people to the crooked, to the bad Superman, I would tell you. Right. So that song was really, I dare to be different. I dare, I don't care. It's a bunch of Illuminati theories running around. It's a bunch of fish running around. But bottom line, it really don't matter about the color. It matters about the content of your heart. There's evil people and there's good people. So the whole song was brought about to spark things for not just us as, as black people and, uh, 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 and no reparation that we really don't truly have, but it's for all races to understand that it's a fight between good and evil. It don't matter what color you is. Mm. When another thing you do with the song, um, not with just the message, but you, you you take an approach to it that you're not just rhyming. You're you you kind of do like a speech, and then that turns into you singing. Um, why that approach for this type of song? And then also when you come when you're composing this you know song this way, can you kind of take us into your creative process here? First of all, I watched. Um, I do a lot of research. Mm. Um, I'm a, boy, I'm a study lab rat when it comes to research because I got to know what I'm talking about. And even when I research, I got to compare certain things so it it can it can come out with the truth. When you when you debate and compare certain things, that's when the truth comes out. So. You know, watching that movie, um, not the Mac, but it was uh, Freddie's Dead, the one that Curtis Mayfield and them. Oh, okay. It really took me back to that essence. I said, I gotta have a song to really bring back those elements of of music that that uh, really was a part and crocheted into the ghetto fabric of what was going on at that time. And, and exactly what was going on at, on that, that that time is no different than the same things that are going on in these times. So I, it just came about. I wrote the song. Uh, my boy, West Coast Stone, who I work with a lot, who's one of the funkiest cats in the game, he shot me the beat, and it just came out perfect, man. We finished that particular song in two hours, man. And we, said, we sat back and said, wow. We got something powerful. We got something real powerful. And uh, it served its purpose, man, because a lot of people, you know, starting to hit me up with that song in particular and just saying thank you. It's just not, it's just not, the coldest thing about it, it's just not, it's a majority of white folks that's coming around and saying, wow, you're speaking the truth. 
Because sometimes we have a voice for us as, as you know, me being a black man, I, 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 I have that type of voice. I trust that you have that type of voice. But we also can't forget about our white brothers and sisters that want, that wish they could have that type of voice and wish they could say some of the things that are wrong but just can't say it. We're speaking with Cocaine, new album, uh, King of G-Funk. Uh, I want to get into more tracks on the album. Uh, oh, um, Another track I really like is... Uh, Cocaine presents our California classic. Shit, they can suck my dick, cause this classic coming straight from the left side, west side, best side, fired up. There's no place, no place like home, where the gangsters roam. So what makes a record a California classic? Then also, why did you name, the, also talk about the creation of this record, but also, why did you name the track Cocaine Presents California Classic versus California Classic? Well, you know... It's, it's branding purposes. You always got to think branding in this business, especially, you know, as an independent running this label and having the autonomy. It's about branding. The power of branding will get you out there demographically. So a lot of stuff on my YouTube channel, you know, I advised my team and they said it'd be very beneficial for you to start saying cocaine presents because, you know, when you luckily Google it up and, you know, when you check on the computer, you know, you want to make sure you had top shelf on everything. Mm. So, you know, I always put cocaine presents as far as a branding and putting that stamp on there. And with the do 30 OGs record, that was, that was the single that I had put out and it's a reflection and a spinoff of the group that I'm a part of, which is called the super group called dirty OGs. And we just inked a deal too with RBC records. So, Big ups to that. You're going to be hearing a lot about the dirty OGs, man. They putting a lot of bread and a lot of time behind us and good music. It's going to be crazy. So this was like an introduction to kill two birds with one stone. Put put the California classic out on my album. And the remix version is also on the new upcoming dirty OGs album called We Got Now and Next. And I wanted to go ahead and have them like debut. You know, it's, and as far as promotion and marketing, it's been working, working for us. So with the Dirty OGs in that particular video, uh, California Classic, it was a perfect fit to go ahead and put that type of music out because via the NWA, Kendrick Lamar, you know, you got to do things at the right time. Sometimes you can have the right intentions, but it'd be the wrong moment. Right. It was a perfect time to put that out there. And the way you hear California classic and the way you hear the tones with its live instrumentation roads is really taking you back to that sound that really had a lasting impression on the whole world. Look who used that sound. Dr. Dre, Quick, Battle Cat, Cole 187. That really, really, really uh, made the whole world drop their jaws. Mm. So it was time for, for, me to go back to those elements and uh, 
really, really reintroduce it. And I did it with California Classic. We did the video and Sunset, shut down Sunset. I mean, even the police was cool because, Pete, we did not have no permit. Ah, imagine that. <laughs> we just did it Johnny on the spot. Man, it was like thousands of people that showed up. And when you hear that particular type of song, it really brings you back home to the West Coast. That is the 2016 Cali Anthem. And a lot of people on the streets is really feeling that song and, and thanking us at the time because, you know, our identity on the West Coast is really is really the G-Funk sound. When you go on the New York sound, it's the boom bat sound. When you go to the South sound, it's the trap sound. But then we got to get back to what made us, and that's the West Coast G-Funk sound. It's like, you know, it was a trip going back to New York five years ago. New York radio didn't even sound like New York radio. It sounded yeah. like the South. Yeah. And it's like, it's no, it's no... It's no, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you talk about a region that had an effect on the whole world, it can't be one way. We got to be able to mix it up like a pot of gumbo. And that, that from which we come from, from the West Coast, it had a lot of impact as far as fashion, as far as cultures is concerned. I mean, I can go over there to New York and see how the influence is. I can go to some parts of the world and see how the influence is. So, California Classic is a representation of something that that was long forgot about, but now is back on the hunt. And when you hear it, it's said best. Ain't no place like home where the gangsters wrong and roll on crawl. This is us. This is California Classic. We the dirty OGs. Yeah, it's one of those records that I when I you've done this many times when I listen to your your, your albums but it's, it's definitely one of those records where I, I wish I was from California <laughs> just so I could pump that out uh, another great track on the album is uh, Murder in, in Kingston and that takes on a, a reggae vibe For you, what role and influence has uh, is reggae music played in your personal life and as an artist? Oh, big influence. I mean, first of all, my grandfather was from Kingston, Jamaica. He was born there. So, you know, we always have that Islander type of approach. And if you hear my first record, I was always incorporating reggae and patois in my music in the early 90s. So, you know, it's just going back. With this record, King of G-Funk, I went back to the elements on Rufus Records. And it's like, it's saying, why fix it if it ain't broke? What goes around comes around. Now it's coming back around, man. And when you look at it, man, you know, it's a blessing, man. You know, Dre and them, 51 years old and got inducted to the Hall of Fame, okay? Coming from this side. Who would ever thought, man? So it's like, you got to understand, you can't reinvent the wheel. But it ain't no substitution for good. If yeah. it's good, it's good. You look at disco. Disco came into the 70s in the 70s. But it was a passing fad because it wasn't nothing crocheted to the sign of the times. Music has to match what's going on in the world. That's what has a lasting impression. All these things are going to come and go. But look at look at George Clinton, Ron Isley, all these cats. It's crazy, man. They're still around. 
They're still worldwide figures because of the soul music, because of the substance that they had in their stuff. And that's where we are, you know, it's come back around to where you got to raise the bar. You can't just auto-tune your way out uh, uh, of existence. You know what I'm saying? You have to go ahead and, and really take it to the stage and give it your all. So that way, the people can not only just be entertained, but inspired. You, you just mentioned George Clinton, and, and George Clinton's featured on the, the album as well on the track uh, Diplomatic. Fuck around. It's that Oyago Mafia. Let me tell you the story right quick, y'all. How about on a nigga one time, which one of you niggas trying to speak your mind? I ain't one of these bastards to let it slide. Find out you was sent, you gon' die tonight. I put my burner to this nigga named Fred. Hey. Yes, someone that you know obviously has inspired you and what is it like for you to work with him uh now and then also was there ever moments for you just like you're in studio with him and you just kind of sit back and just watch and kind of forget that you know watch as a fan versus watching as an artist man it's hard to reserve myself around them <laughs> you know it is so hard because you grew up on these and they were like UFOs literally coming out the sky, you know, and something that has an impact on you, man. Every time I'm around those cats, you know, I, I do my best to be reserved, but I'm a fan, man. It doesn't matter uh, if I sell a billion records from here on out, I will always follow protocol and, and respect my elders. They are the elders. The baddest thing about it, this generation is taught not to respect your elders and find out where the information comes from. Because if you respect the past, you know where you're going in the future. A lot of these kids like McDonald's instead of a slow-cooked meal. And every time I'm dealing with Bootsy or icons like that and George Clinton, man, I'm going back to that slow-cooked meal with total respect. Like, this is the reason why black music and hip-hop and transcended all color lines and I'm actually up there with these guys and they asking me for advice. Right. Man, all at the end of the day, man, it's it's like it's like Disneyland times ten thousand. <laughs> One, one thing you, you, you've obviously you've had a great career, and well, I think one thing that is for you is must be must be a blessing, a uh, really big blessing, is that your daughter is on the album, and you know she's she's one of your artists, and she's featured on the track La La La. As her dad, what is it like producing her versus, I guess, if you were producing somebody that you weren't blood-related to? Uh, all due respect to the icons that's on the project, all due respect to the legends from the Exhibit Co. 187 Snoop that's on the project. It's nothing like working back. My daughter performs with me, and, you know question with a solid answer I would be lying to you all I can tell you this is that I don't even have the words to say it is total happiness and bliss see the apples fall off the tree and them going in the direction that I didn't force them in mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They, it's just natural selection. So for me to be able to see her groomed and grow through her things and her be a young lady, she'll be 21 coming up and being serious about it. And that's all as a parent, as we worry. You want your kids growing up right, not getting into some of the gang violence you had got into or being a part of that Joneses. All I can say is that God is so good to me, man. For me to see my daughter perform and step it up and practice her gift and treat it like that, it lets me know that that it is such a thing as a hope and the struggle. The struggle is good for you because she didn't have any peaches and cream. None of my family did. They were sacrificial lambs for, for my ups and downs in the music industry. And it's a blessing to be able to see out of all that pressure that we've been through, my daughter has now became a diamond because only pressure can make a diamond. And, uh, man, it's just a blessing, man. I thank God every day to uh, to have my spirits enriched by seeing my children take the baton. The new album is King of G-Funk. Uh, he's the legendary cocaine, and I'm honored once again to have him on my show, The Library with Tim Kel on RapStation.com. Thank you so much. You got it, man. God bless you, and God keep you. And uh, thanks, Tim. Big ups to the library. You know, I'm still one of, one of the things on my wish list, not bucket list, wish list, is to work with Chuck D, man. So make that happen. If you're listening to his Chuck, you got a, you got a long time fan. I'm ready to hook up with you. I got some hot stuff for you. Slavery.